prophet uh, books in the Old Testament, uh, really the whole Bible. It is just so powerful and amazing. And one of the things I noticed in reading and rereading the book of Genesis was how the patriarchs were very spiritual men. They weren't just great leaders. They were mystical, spiritual, supernatural men. And their lives are marked by visions and dreams. Go through and read, reread um, re Genesis again. God gave them dreams and visions on a regular basis, both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's only been a handful of times in my life where the Lord has given me supernatural visions and what I believe to be supernatural visions and dreams. And um, there's probably uh, maybe five to ten times in my entire 30 years of being a Christian. But they've been very formative for me. I know God was speaking to me and doing something in these visions and in these dreams. And I'm going to share um, one of the visions that I believe is from the Lord. Uh, time will tell if it was. Um, and I'm going to introduce my sermon with, with sharing this vision. I think it's probably only the second time I've shared this publicly. Um, it's Another thing that's very interesting about when you read in, in Genesis, most of the visions and dreams that God gave to the patriarchs had to do with their offspring. Uh, almost all of them were about their descendants that were to come. And unsurprisingly, some of the most powerful spiritual moments of my life had to do with my offspring. And this is a story about my baby, Matthew. Don't cry, son. So I asked for permission to share this, and he basically said, tell anything, say anything you want. Um, so Matt was just a little boy. Uh, I think, I don't remember what age you were, but probably around five. Uh, and it was a beautiful night. And I know it was a beautiful night because we were sitting out in our front yard. And we were seated under uh, our big, nice, fruitless pear tree. So we have a pear tree right by the, the road. And it was much smaller uh, because it was a long time ago. And we were looking at the stars and it was probably like 75 degrees, one of these perfect nights. You know, you just sit up. Sometimes you just need to sit on the grass. You ever done that? It's just fine. Just forget it. I don't care if I get dirty. Just sit on the grass. And we were in the moment. And we were looking at the tree and looking at the stars. And there wasn't anything in particular we were talking about. But in that moment, I was having such a great time with him and just wanting to cherish the moment. And if you've ever had one of these moments where you don't want it to end, uh, you know it's going to end. And that's a problem I have because I'm very forward-thinking. And my wife, of course, is just able to be in the, in the moment fully. So she's like, I don't really ever think about it ending because I'm just in the moment all the time. Uh, but I am always forward-thinking. So I'm sitting there with my boy, and I'm like, ah, this is going to end one day. I love him so much. And then, oh, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I saw him standing in front of, I saw you standing in front of the pear tree but he was old. And I knew he was old because he had gray hair. And he was looking at that tree and he was remembering this moment that we were having. And he looked back at it and he was crying. And then the Lord showed me he was crying because I was dead. And I had went um, to be with the Lord. And so he's just sitting in, on my lap as a little five-year-old and I start crying. I couldn't control myself. And he's looking at me like, what's going on with dad? You know, we're having a good time here. And so um, this thing always slips down. And 
And so, no, I think this is okay. I think it's all right. Thanks. Appreciate that, Samwise. And, um, and as Matthew was looking up at me, I remember I looked at you, and just a little guy. He was actually smaller than me back then. It was really interesting. And he was just a little guy, and I looked in his eyes, and I said, I told him the vision I just had. And I said, when this happens, and you're here, and you're sad that I'm gone, I want you to know something. I'm not dead. I'm alive. And I'll see you again. I'll see you again. And so what does this vision have to do with Easter? Well, I hope you'll see by the end of my message today, this has everything to do with Easter. Because if not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I could not look Matthew in the eyes and with honesty say, I'll see you again. This is not the end. If not for Easter, I could tell Matthew nice little feel-good stories. I could talk in these hopeful terms and I could say things that maybe would sound like a fairy tale to make my son feel good that one day I'll die, but I wouldn't be able to look at him and honestly say, I'll see you again. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can say it and I will see him again and I'll see all of you again. I'm not dying for a long time. You're stuck with me. Uh, but I was thinking that's kind of getting creepy here. Uh, I'm just saying one day, remember I'm forward thinking, I'm going to get back in the moment here. Let's be in the moment, Chris. Um, so anyway, I'm going to teach a sermon today uh, for Easter called, and I can show you the slide, Christus Victor. Anybody know Latin? Christus Victor. What does that mean? Christ the Victor. And I'm going to teach you how Jesus Christ has defeated the greatest enemy of all time. I'm going to say that one more time. This is my thesis. This is my main point. Jesus, this is not a thesis. This is a fact. Jesus has defeated the greatest enemy of all time through his resurrection from the dead. And I'm glad that this happened, and we all understand what it means to have enemies. And we all have enemies. Men and women have enemies. God himself has enemies. And we have a particular enemy that I want to show you. If you could put the slide up. This is one of our enemies at the University of Michigan. Let me show you. Come on, let's go. Let's hear it. Oh, that's our enemy. Okay. Now, everyone knows that this is our enemy. And I will be honest that this enemy has been exceptionally difficult to defeat the last couple decades. But I'm happy to say that those days are done. And I'm going to show you another video, another uh, slide right now. There we go. All right. <laughs> yes. We got to get them this excited during worship. Man, we got to cheer this high for Jesus, you know. So that was a beautiful. Oh. I know all of you know that exact moment and exactly when it happened. So everybody has enemies and everyone loves to defeat enemies. But I'm not going to talk about Michigan football as much as Pastor Chris would want me to. Because I'm going to tell you a story this morning about defeating an enemy that was one of my favorite teams as a little teenager. This is, this is Pastor Nino's team, favorite team, the bad boys. No, I don't cheer for the Lions, never. The bad boys, let's put them up. Come on now. All right, so let me tell you, 
This is 1989, and I'm, I'm, and if anybody's a Chicago Bulls fan here, I'm sorry. This is, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna stick it to you. So, this was, this was 1989. This team right here, I remember this. I was just out of high school. 1989, the, the Detroit Pistons were stronger than we had ever been. And listen to this, we posted the league's best record. You know what our record was that, that year? 63 wins, 19 losses. Um, might be him. They reached, they reached, we reached the conference finals by sweeping the Boston Celtics and the, the Milwaukee Bucks. And the sixth seeded Chicago Bulls, they had a record of 47 and 35, not nearly as good as we were. Uh, but they had surprising success in the playoffs, and they upsetted the Cavs and the Knicks, 3-2 to two and then 4-2. to two. And the Bulls met us in the Eastern Conference Final. And whoever won this series would go to the NBA Finals. And this was going to be a tough, uh, a tough battle for us because of one man in particular on the Bulls. Can anybody guess who it was? Scottie Pippen. Just kidding. It was Michael Jordan. And so the Pistons... Listen, the Pistons knew, and, and the Pistons fell behind. Let me make sure I'm getting this straight. I think we were down, yes, we were down 2-1 to one in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Chicago Bulls. All they had to do was win one more game, and they go to the NBA playoffs. But we used something called the, quote, Jordan rules. So our entire team began to talk about Michael Jordan. We're going to focus on him. Everybody's going to focus on Michael Jordan. We're going to shut him down. And there was all this talk in the media. They'd interview him, the bad boys. We're going to stop Michael Jordan. It was all Jordan. No longer the other guys didn't matter. It was one man. We're going to stop him. And we still don't know if, if they really did that or they just got in their head, but it worked. And we went on to win the next three games. We defeated the Chicago Bulls. We went on to the finals, and we won the NBA finals. Bad boys. Now, why am I sharing this story on the Resurrection Sunday? Why am I talking about this? Here's, here's why. There were many players on the Chicago Bulls. We'll call them enemies. There were many enemies on the Bulls team, but there was one enemy that was the greatest of all, and if we wanted to def defeat them, we had to defeat the greatest enemy. God has many enemies, you have many enemies, but there's a greatest enemy of all. There's one enemy that's stronger than any other enemy we've ever faced before. And we had to focus our power on that enemy, and God had to focus his power on it. This enemy that I'm talking about this morning, actually, why don't we show the slide, and I'll just let it just hang there. This enemy has been fought by men and women from every civilization on earth. The ancient Egyptians tried to defeat this enemy through the mummification of the dead and placing their dead loved ones in the pyramids. The, the Chinese attempted to defeat this enemy. And now in America, we're using modern technology to try to defeat this same enemy. And what is the enemy that I'm speaking of? It is the enemy called death. Death is the one enemy that no man and no woman has ever been able to kill, never been able to defeat. It comes to the greatest of us. And Jesus Christ, through his resurrection from the dead, has defeated death. He has conquered the greatest enemy that we have ever faced, much greater than Michael Jordan, much worse than the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not that far ahead, 
But they're both up there. But I'm telling you, death is, a, is, is, a, is way worse. And this morning for Easter, I'm going to look at the Holy Scriptures, and we're going to dig into a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. And it's going to be in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I want to pray, and uh, then we'll jump into Christus Victor. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection, and thank you that you have defeated the enemy that we cannot defeat, no matter how strong a man is, no matter how smart a woman is, no matter how much genetic favor we might have, we cannot defeat death, but you can and you did through your resurrection. And I pray that you'll open our hearts to Jesus Christ this morning and do a great work in each of us. And we ask in your name, amen. Now, many people would challenge the proposition that I made at the introduction of my message that I'll see my son Matthew again after I die. They might say things to the effect of, you know, well, that, you know, I mean, that was a nice emotional moment that you had with your boy. And, and you're a really good father, telling him something that makes him feel good. And I have no problem with you trying to make your kids feel good. But are you trying to tell me that you'll literally see him again and you'll be raised from the dead? Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm telling you, that I will be raised up from the dead and I will see you and my loved ones again after I have died. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul teaches. Now, even during the early days of the church 2,000 years ago, there was a lot of people that opposed this. And they disagreed with this teaching. It seemed crazy to them. And so this is a large part why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 a defense of the, not only the resurrection of Christ, but the resurrection of your body and what will happen to you. If you haven't read 1 Corinthians 15 in a long time, I encourage you to read it. It is an amazing chapter on the resurrection of our bodies. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, verses 20, 21, and 22. So let's, let's dig in. We can put it on the screen. We'll read it. Paul says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And this is what Easter's about. We're celebrating it, right? He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. He says, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he calls him the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's a really strange term. Why did he say he's the first fruit? Well, probably most of us in here are not farmers, including myself. Um, but when you plant a harvest, and you plant the seed, and it goes down under the ground, and it dies, and then it sprouts, and it comes up, and you harvest your crops, the first fruit that you harvest is called the first fruit. Basic, I understand, but I want you to think about this. The Bible did not say that Jesus is the only fruit. He's the first fruit, and that means there will be a second fruit, and a third fruit, and a fourth fruit, and so on and so forth. Those that believe in Christ, those that have come to Jesus, will be resurrected from the grave just as he was. He's the first, but not the only. And then he goes on to say that they have fallen asleep. This is really powerful, and it's very important to understand that, and that's why I, I put those in caps, the, the two words, fallen asleep. <clears throat> you could say that when I was talking to, to Matthew, 
I could have theologically said it this way. When you think about this moment we're having and you miss me, I want you to know I've fallen asleep. I'm not dead. I've fallen asleep. There's a huge difference, right? Like if, if you walk in your apartment and your roommate is laying on the ground, just on the ground, unusual, that could happen. Not as unusual for some people, you know, Justin and others. But listen, I sometimes it's, you just have to take a nap on the ground, right? Just wherever you are, you sleep. But when you walk in and your roommate's on the ground, a few questions will come to your mind. Number one, is he dead? Number two, like, did something happen medically? Or number three, which is usually the case, is he sleeping? And so you come over and you just shake him, right? Can I shake you? <laughs> Facial expression was amazing on that one. I'm not going to shake you. But you shake him, and if they wake up, you go, oh, he was sleeping, right? When a Christian dies, it's, a Christian does not cease to exist. That's not the end of your existence. You sleep. You've fallen asleep, but you will be raised again. Now, now he goes on to say this, and let's continue to read in the passage. For as, oh, let's go back uh, to that original passage. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as by a man came death, Paul is teaching about the first Adam, the first man that ever existed. And through the disobedience of Adam, death came into him and death has spread because he became what is known as a sinner. Him and his wife Eve, they had children and that death that was now in them was passed on into their children. And the wages of sin is death and death spread from Adam to me, to you, and to all of us. And we have all become sinners. And now the greatest enemy we face is death. It is the great. It's inherent in the very first story of the Bible where God created Adam and Eve and then they sinned and death crept in. That is the enemy. That is the great one. But the Bible goes on to say, but by a different man, the second Adam, the resurrection of the dead has come. You see, the first Adam brought about death. But the second Adam brings about life. Just as in Adam, all of us are dead, so too in the second Adam. In Jesus Christ, we're all made alive, and we will all be raised up. Paul continues this teaching in verses 46 through 49. Let's go to this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I love that sentence so much, I'm going to read it again. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. The first Adam was a man of the earth, a man of dust. The second Adam, Jesus, is the man from heaven. And so too it is with our lives. During our current life, 
We bear the image of the man of dust. This is what Paul is saying. We bear that image. What does that mean? Our lives are marked by this fallen image. And no amount of self-improvement can fully remove the dust of sin and death that are in our bodies. Now, I'm reminded on a regular basis that I bear the image of a man of dust in my body in several ways. I'm just going to share a few. It's no surprise people that know me know I cherish the opportunities to go to the gym with young people, with, with my sons. And because I'm in campus ministry, I have the advantage of working out at the gym with young men that are like in their 20s or teens. And I'm 52. And what that does is it humbles me and it shows me that I am marked as a man of dust. When I work out with these young guys and staff, I work out with my sons, I realize I can't do the volume they do, right? So they squat, and then my son Johnny says, oh, I hurt my, I hurt my back squat, barbell squatting. And then two days later, he goes, well, we're gonna, Matt and I are going to go deadlift. Okay, sounds good. I'd be out for about a year. So um, working out with young people is advantageous for me, like Pastor Chris. Like I get to work out with young guys like him. So... So it's good for me because it, it challenges me so that when I get around with all the old farts, I feel like, man, I'm not so bad anymore at 52. Wow. But usually it reminds me that I am a man of dust. I don't heal like I used to. I can't do the volume. I can't do the heavy weights like I used to. I get, well, not like I used to. I never did heavy weights. Uh, but there was no glory days there. But I am reminded that I bear the image of the man of dust. But even more than going to the gym and getting humbled with young men, I'm reminded that I bear the image of the man of dust every time I sin. Every time I choose sin over Christ. Every time I choose disobedience over obedience. Every time I seek fulfillment in something that this world offers me besides Jesus' presence itself. And besides seeking him, I'm reminded that, yes, I bear in me the image of Adam. I'm just like my father. Yes, I'm his offspring. I know it. You are daughters of Eve. I am, we are sons of Adam. And we, when we sin, we are reminded of that image that we bear. And finally, I bear that image of the man of dust every time I'm sick. Right? Every time I feel sick, I realize this is not how I was supposed to be created, sickness and, and death. It reminds me I bear the image of the man of the earth. Every time I see a new line appearing in my face, every time I see a new gray hair, and my wife reminds me of it. Just kidding. You, you don't do that. She, she does. Yeah, exactly. She just tells me all the time how much she just, how handsome I am. Yeah, that's right. But every, every time I see a wrinkle, a gray hair, I'm, I'm dying. I bear the image of my father, Adam. And it's obvious to me. And it becomes more obvious every year I'm alive. But don't be discouraged. Because the gospel is good news. And remember what Paul said. Not only do we bear the image of Adam, but we shall bear the image of the second Adam. And that's what this whole Christianity is about. We are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ day by day. That's what this whole 
Christianity is about. That's what the resurrection is about, to become more and more like Jesus. My daughter, Emma, and her husband and her beautiful little baby were over two days ago. We had such a good time. And I was sitting at the dining room table with Emma, and she was having a, uh, a mea culpa, kind of a, I'm going to confess some things. And she basically just was saying, I'm so selfish. And nothing will reveal your selfishness more than getting married and having kids. If you're selfish, it'll come out. Trust me, get ready. And she was like, wow, I just, I'm just so selfish at times. And I was like, well, that's, you're growing, though. That's the whole point. That's what Christ has done, is he's changing you from a selfish sinner to a saint. And it takes a lifetime. It's harder for some people than others. Um, but it's a work that God's doing in, in, in all of us. I meant to point up there. So, Christus Victor, he has defeated death. Let me show you one of my favorite um, icons. And I'll read it again. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That man of heaven rescuing them from the grave, he's going to lift me up from the grave. He's going to pull me out. And where Satan and sin thought they could hold me down, no, because my Lord is going to pull me out. He's going to rescue me. And I am being made into his image more and more and more day by day. Christus Victor, Christ has conquered the grave. I'm going to have the band come up in just a moment. If you guys could make your way. And I want to read another scripture to you this morning, but I wanted them to come up and be ready for us to respond. If you could put up the next uh, scripture. As we go into worship, I want to uh, have us think about this together. At the very, towards the very end of 1 Corinthians 15, Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the Christians. For this perishable body, he's talking about his body, your body, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Christus Victor, he has defeated death. Amen. Can we stand together? This is a great, great mystery that our bodies will be raised up, that we can be in heaven together. And I want to give us all an opportunity to open our heart to Jesus and to enter into this walk of faith. Many of you here are Christian and you've been trying to serve Jesus for years now. Well, this is an opportunity for you to cry out to God in a fresh way on this Easter morning and say, Lord, conform me more into your image. Make me more like you, Jesus. Make me more. Even as a young woman, as a young man, starting now, make me more like Jesus. And some of you here, maybe you haven't made the step yet to become a Christian. And today could be your day to call out to Jesus for the first time and say, Jesus, I want to become a Christian. 
I want to enter in and I want to be raised from the dead. I want to be lifted up on that last day. I want you to rescue me from death. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So can we pray together? Let's bow our heads and pray and close our eyes. If you're here and you would say, Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, I want to be raised from the dead and I want to become a Christian. I haven't fully decided to do it until this moment, but now I want to. Can you raise your hand up real high? Let me see it. Say, I want to become a Christian this morning. I want to accept you. Amen. Amen. Just lift your hand up and say, Jesus, this is my day. I want to serve you. Amen. Amen. And for the rest of us that are serving Christ and we're Christians, thank God for his resurrection. Let's, let's worship him now in this moment. Let's declare his glory and let's sing with all our heart, with all our soul. Let's lift up our resurrected Lord. Amen. God bless you and happy Easter.